Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 393, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. So entertain us, because right before we start recording, Jacques tells me that he has something that'll have us all shaking our head. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed about this myself, but dude, you know what, man? I'm that guy as a reporter for one reason. And the reason is I live this stuff. It's hard for me to turn it off. And I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, Matt. But this weekend, <laughs> okay, let me, okay, I'm, I'm so embarrassed because you're really going to say, I can't believe you wasted any brain cells at all on this. And yet I did because I, it just, I don't know, man. Okay, here it is, Matt. Don't judge me, please, buddy, friend. I was watching, I was working out, and I was watching some highlights as they were going on, and they had Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina, number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, in the WNBA draft. All right? No big deal. Okay. And so I thought to myself, because maybe somebody mentioned this to me recently it could have been you although i don't really think so somebody else mentioned it to me recently they're talking about erica agunlier i think that's how you say her last name the dallas wings leading scorer and a wnba all-star and sadly matt my brain went to this why did the dallas wings get the number three pick in the draft and she's averaging three points a game after averaging 29 in college. And it looks like she can't play. And then I said, why did the Dallas Wings have the fifth pick in the draft? Lou Lopez Seneschal. And she's barely getting on the court and she can't play. And why did the Dallas Wings have the 11th pick of the draft? A guard named Abby Myers who's getting six minutes a game and she can't play. How can you draft three of the top 11 players in the NBA, in the WNBA, and you can't get one who can play? Okay. I told you to have you laughing, but then I did the next thing, Matt. I called my friend who covers the wings. Jesus. I sent her a text, and I go, why can't, this, why can't this girl play? And she says, um... Yeah, this is not like Will McClay text we're reading. Yeah. But she goes, she's got to learn the system, get in line with the pace and physicality. It's a different beast transitioning from college to pros. I go, so? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, somebody ought to be fired if you got three of the God, top 10 man. players and none of them can fucking play. And she goes, hey, that's how it was for Charlie Collier. Now, y'all ain't going to know who Charlie Collier is. I didn't know who Charlie Collier is until what, Matt? The Dallas Wings drafted her number one overall. That means of all the college players you could pick. Yeah, it was her. They picked her number one overall. She's out of the league, Matt. She averaged two points a game for them, wow. I think. And she's out, 
out. Like she's not even an end of the bench player somewhere. That's stunning. She's currently out of. And I'm like, like in the, in the big picture, y'all don't care about women's pro basketball, but I paid quite a bit of attention to the women's final four, and they had they had some momentum going, and that's kind of why I've kept. I don't study the wings. I just keep a. If if I see something, I might read it, or I might look at it, or I might glance at it. But it's just amazing to me that you have three of the top eleven picks of the draft, and you don't get a single player who can play. I mean, that's that's it's pretty amazing because I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't tell you outside. I, I'm I couldn't tell you a single player in the WNBA. Probably that's not true. I probably could, but you might not be even name five though. Right, and and so. <laughs> You look at this, man, and, and you go down to just – let's go through the last seven dra- – this is – in women's basketball, the first overall selection, generally speaking, is an easy, this girl can play, she's going to ball. As a matter right. of fact, to the point, because that Dallas pick, Charlie Collier, who you're talking about, was taken in the 2021 draft. Yeah. Let's see the gosh, I'm going to go. I'm just going to count them out loud. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So the 15 women selected either before or after her have all made a WNBA all-star team in, <laughs> in more than half of them also not only made all-star teams, made all WNBA teams. As a matter of fact, Charlie Collier is the first player selected with the number one overall pick to not make an all-star team since 2007. Like, they really went out and found the only number one pick who can't play. That's incredible that they could screw that up so badly. Yeah. I mean, it really is. That, that's, like, god-awful atrocious. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just taking somebody from UConn. <laughs> or, or Baylor or LSU. Yeah. You know? So, nah, bro. Well, they took Lou Lupez Sonnenschau from UConn, and she can't play. So, you know. And, yeah, you said maybe you're being harsh here, rookie. Nah, man, this is supposed to be the, this is supposed to be the top of the draft. That's and impressive. And unlike the NBA, it's not, dilute, it's not uh, diluted with European players yet. So this is the best America has to offer. So I'm sorry. I'm a sports guy. I, like, I follow the local teams, even the WNBA team. Apparently. How's FC Dallas doing? <laughs> Uh, you know, they're not on my radar, really. Although, hey, I did come see, on, uh, you follow the local Poppy, teams. Poppy, Poppy scored a goal the other day, if that makes you feel better. There you go. Uh, uh, and so did... Uh, did you go Junior. to the... Uh, when the Renegades won the XFL title, were you there? See, now you're taking shots at me. <laughs> I was going to say, Junior had two assists for, for the Burns. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, for FC Dallas. Yeah, he did. Uh, but then again... Junior doesn't exist. I just made that up because there's always a soccer player named Junior. There you go. <laughs> Man, it, it's, you know, it's like that anywhere. And it's so funny because the people who pay attention to those sports are super into it. Right. And I remember it happens to me now on the radio with USFL fans or like there's a soccer team here called the Birmingham Legion. That's the division right. two. It's not even MLS. It's oh. not MLS minor league. And their fans, I mean, you hear from them, why don't you talk more about this? There's so many people. I'm like, no, there, there isn't. There really aren't. <laughs> like, I get when you go, you think that the 4,000 people there is a lot, and it is for that. But in the tens of thousands of people in our listening audience, that's such a small, minute portion that it, you, you can't, it, it makes no sense. You have way more turnout when you talk about stuff like that than you do of people who are actually irritated that you're not talking about it. Exactly, exactly. Never understood why people, and then they're like, you don't know. I'm like, man, I, if only there was some way in radio for us to know what people wanted us to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I mean. I mean, my God. Just for the record, it seems as though we spent, you know, ESPN spent like a million dollars or half a million yeah. trying to figure out that exact thing. And it then was they told a lot. Us, and then I'm pretty sure we looked at, we got that list from Cat, and we're like, yeah, we pretty much figured that out. <laughs> it was a lot, man. Like a lot, a lot. And I don't think there's any surprises on that list. No, there the wasn't. Top ten went like Cowboys, Cowboys draft, Cowboys off season, Cowboys mini camp. <laughs> yeah, all the Cowboys top stuff football. was Cowboys, and then like I was actually surprised that the Mavs were lower than I had anticipated, and the Rangers right. were probably a little higher. Yep. But it was all those things. I mean, I'm not the kidding Cowboys you. Basketball was at the bottom. 
Yes, that was at the bottom. And if I recall correctly, like FC Dallas was under video gaming. Bro, real talk now. And that's what people don't seem to understand is like we like these are massive market surveys and whatnot. Not to mention the fact like I was just screwing with the Stallions fan because there's this group of Stallions fans in, in Birmingham and, and they're playing for the USFL title again. Awesome. That's great. But we don't ever talk about them because most people really, even in Birmingham, most people don't care. They want to talk about college football. Right, right. Whatever's right. going on in college. And so, man, there's this group of them that, and you can tell, like, they all get together. And all of a sudden, our text line, or we'll get like 10 tweets in a row of, you know, I'd listen to you guys more if you talk about the Stallions. I'm like, okay, nice try. And there's this guy that will just tweet at you constantly about the Stallions. He, in his Twitter bio or whatever, says covers USFL and Birmingham Stallions for some publication or something I don't even know. <laughs> he has like 300 followers. And I want to go, right. if that doesn't tell you, you cover the team. Your timeline is nothing but this, and you barely have 300 followers on Twitter. Maybe there's just not a lot of interest for it. You know? I don't know, dude. And so I told him, I was like, yeah, well, the problem was we talked about it a lot during our first year, and we went back and looked at those segments in the ratings, and they were rated really low. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't true. Yeah. I was just like, you I, know. I know, but hit him with, hit him with made-up facts. Like, I just good. don't care, you clown. And nobody does. But I'm glad somebody <laughs> does, because there are people, look... <laughs> generally speaking, most people don't care about the WNBA, but the fan base that they have, there's a reason why the league has existed for 25 years and is strong, continues to have expansion. There's a reason because there is a market for it. And I think that that's one of the misnomers about a lot of different things. You don't have to have a, you don't have to be the NFL. You don't have to be one of the power four. You can be a smaller niche type sport and people that are successful doing that can make really, really good money. And there's really passionate fan bases. That's fine. No, you're exactly right. You just have to understand your lane and stay there. Yes, exactly. And don't draft Charlie Collier. (laughs) Who played at Texas, if I remember correctly. See, there you go. She absolutely did. I I got a little something there, man. All right. See, so uh, I'm glad y'all took me. It's just a fact. I was just like, oh, you're all you know, pissed off about of this, the wings. <laughs> no, but the whole point of this was to my to, in my head was you should hold sports to the same standard. Like if 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 the Mavericks had a drafting record like that, where they took somebody first overall and couldn't play, and they had you know two top well like this year, they, you get two first round picks and neither one of them can play a drop. You just be like, what the fuck? What are y'all doing? How could you do this? We need somebody's head. And maybe that's why they've had three or four coaches in the last year or the last two or three years or whatever. Yeah, that's very true. Way, way too much time on the Dallas Wings. We did. So, so I hope everybody enjoyed the beginning of the podcast. But I, I was just embarrassed that they took up just that little corner of my space. But it's, it's why I'm a badass reporter. It is. And a badass journalist. You got to get on that, man, because now you like <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I did not know that Charlie Collier was a bust. Bro, they ain't talking about it much over there with the wings. I mean, this this may be going out on a limb and, and a shock to people. I, I didn't know that the wings drafted her. So now I knew that, and <laughs> I'm happy do. for the information. <laughs> it's my public service announcement for the week. That's fantastic. So good to know. <laughs> uh, don't fast forward through this. <laughs> no, because this is the great stuff that you miss out on. What other yeah. podcasts are going to talk wings and cowboys in the same podcast? Mm-hmm. I didn't even mention the fact I went to a women's pro football Super Bowl the other day. But hey. What? Like legit <laughs> professional women's football? Yeah. Your Texas like not Elite Not lingerie Spartans. league. No, Texas Elite Spartans uh, won their fourth straight championship. What's that like? Okay, check this out, Matt. I mean, come on. Like literally, what, what's the quality okay, of play like? I'm sending you a, a video right now. I mean, is it watchable? Yeah, it's watchable. Okay. It's like a, uh, it's like a high school game. All right. Okay, cool. There you go. Uh, did you see the video? I just got it. Let's see. Yeah. Now, just, just tell, does it look like football? Okay, yeah. It looks like football. Yeah, yeah. it looks like it looks football. It looks like football. It, yeah, high school is a great description of what I just saw. Yeah, because it's not bad. Not bad. 
I'm gonna send you one more so you have proper perspective, and then we're we're done with women's sports today. Um, but nah, Texas Elite Spartans. We had OJ, uh, OJ Odessa Jenkins, Odessa Jenkins. We had her on the show one time uh, because maybe when they went for their first championship or something. Okay. Uh, uh, I think I accidentally sent it to you twice, so I apologize. That's okay. Uh, but uh, nah, man. You know, I actually think women's pro football has a uh, has a shot, and that's because you're seeing women more involved with the NFL um, in all capacities, whether it's coaching, whether it's front office, whether it's scouting. Um, I think some some rules just got passed that they're mm-hmm. gonna have flag football for girls now. Okay. Which means you'll get a generation of players coming through that understand the game better. And there's a lot of women who would love to play football. There's just no vehicle for them to play. Uh, and so, no, it, it looked like football, man. They tackled right. You know, that's why I said high school because it's clear that, you know, some things are lacking. But it looked like football. Uh, their biggest problem is they don't have enough competitive teams. Like if they took the team from Dallas out, It'd yeah. probably be a better league because it, it'd be like when UConn dominated college basketball. Like, it doesn't matter. You show up 29 and 1, and then you get beat by 50 by UConn because there's just so much superior. All right. Fair enough. Well, there you go. <laughs> 393 episodes in, and we finally got to it, man. <laughs> I didn't know if we ever would, but but there it was. It's summertime, bro. You wouldn't get this in the fall, only in the summer. And so I'm happy for all of you to enjoy that. There you have it. <laughs> Let's talk greening law. <laughs> Let's talk greening law. Because obviously Jacques has had a personal injury of some sort to his head. And maybe he needs to call greening law. I don't know. Maybe he was in a car accident or something and he forgot, got jarred. But reality of it is, that's when greening law comes in. I was in my car accident. Many of you know that. If you're injured in some way and it's not your fault and you got medical bills racking up and insurance companies calling you all the time, you need to make that call to greening law because that's what they do. They're the experts in this field. They know how to battle the insurance company and make sure that you get taken care of. So give them a call. And and why wouldn't you? Because the consultation is absolutely free. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about greening law, in all seriousness, is that they'll ride with you. They'll walk you through the process. They'll tell you how to handle things. They'll set up doctor's appointments for you. They'll tell you which doctors you need to go see, which specialists you need to go see. They do all of that stuff. So your main focus, your entire focus is, can I get healthy? So if you're involved in an accident, pick up the phone, give them a call. And here's the thing, consultation's free. Doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my situation. Mr. And Mrs. Green team, what do you think? And if they bring you on as a client, I'm telling you, it's great for you. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Did y'all hear that? They don't get paid unless you get paid. So it works out for both parties. It's a win-win. They're really good at what they do. Give them an opportunity to uh, represent you. Make You'll it happen. Happy. You can thank us later. Yes, you will. Trust me. It's easy to do. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him right now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So I wanted to jump into this just real quick with the Cowboys and something that Dak said that I heard the other day. And he was interviewed on the ticket there in Dallas. They, they were at, you know, they, they do that, that annual, I forget what it's called, the luncheon thing at SMU. Yeah, SMU Forum. Yeah, and I know Donovan Lewis hosted it this year. And so they had an opportunity to interview Dak Prescott. And it's the question you got to ask with all the changes and whatnot, basically, does this feel different this year? And, and he said that it does, and I, I, it does. I thought the way, he, the reason why he said it made a lot of sense, and it's sad but true. It's something that we don't give Mike McCarthy probably enough credit for. But one of the things that Dak mentioned of why it feels different outside of the play calling and some of the changes they've made he said this is the first time in his career where it feels like they're building towards something. And yeah. the reason why he pointed to that was, and again, he's correct, not just the first time in his career, it would have been the first time in Romo's career. They've got back-to-back winning, not just winning seasons, but legitimate 10-plus game win seasons where they go, and he even mentioned this, you know, you got the 12 wins in 2021, 
And then you turned around and you did it again in 2022 instead of with what we've seen the Cowboys do so many times is have a great year, fall off, miss the playoffs, not win 10 games, what have you. As a matter of fact, I mean, we talked about this last year when they made the playoffs back to back. That was the first time they went to the playoffs back to back since 06, 07. That was the first time with back to back 10 plus win seasons since 95, 96. Nah, bro. And now you're, you're you're looking at them in a situation where they can go to the playoffs three straight years for the first time since they were winning Super Bowls. Yeah, uh, in the early '90s, which is basically 30 years, um, which is which is at one level ridiculous, and at one level, uh, you know, just is what it is. Right. But uh, here's the thing: so not only did they get consecutive 12 win seasons, uh, and he sees them as building, you can look at them and see that they're building and how do you say why do you do that because for the first time in forever they made it happen in the offseason with something other than some bargain basement moves like they went and got brandon cooks doesn't matter what he costs they went and got him uh they went and got stefan gilmore those are two clear upgrades to your defense then what did they do they actually spent some money not on a star which they we know they take care of their stars you know dak CeeDee Lamb, yeah. Micah, Trayvon, they're going to ultimately take care of those guys. They went and took care of guys who are good players but not stars. Donovan Wilson took care of him. Um, so, you know, they got uh, Vanderish back. They figured out a way to keep their best players. I don't think they lost anybody of note that they wanted to keep. And then they added to it. So if you add to a 12-win team with good players – the natural assumption is that you'll be a better team um, and more equipped to go make a deeper run in the playoffs. doesn't mean you'll win 12 games again. Right. Because uh, you could be a better team and win 11 games. Um, but if you're a better team, you have a much better chance to go deeper in the playoffs. And I think that's what he meant by building. They can see that they're a better team than they were last year. Yeah, which is fantastic because he's right. It is the first time in his career. It's the first time in a long time because we've had that before where we've had Cowboys again – you look at some of the great seasons they have. His rookie year is a great example of that. I mean, when right. in 2016, coming off a 13-3 and three year, you win the division, you have the number one seed, you have that heartbreaking loss in the playoffs to Green Bay. All of us, that offseason, like, damn, okay, they found a quarterback. They've got a Hall of Fame running back on the way. They, this, they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. And then they fall off to 9-7, and seven, don't even make the playoffs. Right. And so there's been that type of frustration. And so I think... We don't give Mike McCarthy enough credit, and nobody does, because we love to rip the guy for the playoff failures, when the reality of it is, yes, it's frustrating, you only got to the wild card round, but keep in mind, in 2021, the wild card round, yeah, it was at home and you lose, well, last year, they win a road playoff game, they, they lose in the divisional round. So, really, the next step now truly is NFC Championship game, and you see this a lot... A lot of teams have to go through this to figure out how to win in the playoffs, and they tweak their roster if they feel like they've got a good core of, okay, what do we need to get over that hump? Right. Not, not every team shows up like the 90s Cowboys where they miraculously, like in the third year of J Jimmy Johnson, win a playoff game, and then in year four, they're dominating the league and winning multiple Super Bowls. Oh, dude, that's, that's the exception, not the rule. And uh, we've been thinking it's the rule this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just not. And um, I think, uh, like I said, the, the schedule's difficult. They're a really good team. Uh, I expect them to compete at the highest level. And, uh, dude, this is, uh, they got a shot this year. They're one of the teams in the NFC. To me, there's just Dallas, San Francisco, F Philly. And, uh, you know, you can look out for a couple other dark horses because somebody always makes a move every year, whether you think it's Seattle or whether you think it's Detroit mm -hmm. or whether you think it's Minnesota, whoever you think it is. There's always a team that makes a move we're not expecting. But those three, to me, when it starts, are head and shoulders above everybody else. Yes, and that should be the expectation. That's why I really feel, are they going to go 12-5 and five or 13-4 and four this year? I don't know, but I do feel anything less – like, 10 and 7 should be the floor for this team, quite honestly. You should win double-digit games again. And it's time, which I think is why they've made some of these moves, it's about getting over that hump in the playoffs. Because they could have kept it the status quo, 
maybe won 11 or 12 games and gotten into the playoffs. But I think some of these moves are more about how do we move in the playoffs to that next step and move forward rather than what we've seen as the status quo for so long, a failure in the playoffs despite having good seasons. Oh, no, I think that's absolutely what the deal is, man. And uh, the way you do it is, one, you have internal growth. Yeah. Uh, where there's guys like Tony Pollard getting better, uh, you know, Tyson Smith getting better, all those guys getting better, uh, the first-round draft pick getting better. You have drafts where you get guys who help you. And then, man, you got to add some guys from the outside to help you, and they did that in Brandon Cooks, and they did that with Stephon Gilmore. You don't, You shouldn't have to worry about those cats. They should be able to come in boom and play and contribute at a high high level right away and uh, that to me dude they they're a good team they're a really good team philly is really good yes, san francisco is really good uh but the cowboys can't compete with those two i don't have any doubt about that what they've got to do is clean up all the little stuff the middle mistakes the turnovers um the uh there's one other thing they got to clean up bro what is it just uh the penalties and if they can do that then they can compete with those guys and they can beat those guys yeah it's a high quality roster they've got a lot of talent i don't think it's ridiculous to sit here and look at the cowboys as one of the top three teams in the nfc and those of you that give up on the cowboys and hate the cowboys oh it's ridiculous it's not are they going to win are they going to get to the nfc title game it's hard to believe it because we haven't seen it in so long so now it's up to right. them to go out and show us that they can do that, but they have the pieces to do that. Will they make oh, the plays no, and get it done in the playoffs? No, there's no doubt they got the pieces, man. That's um, just a matter of doing it. It's a matter of um, – Troy Aikman said this the other day. They got to play their best football in the biggest games, and they, have yet, they haven't done that. Uh, yeah, they played a great game against Tampa Bay, but they didn't play a great game right. overall against San Francisco. Defense was really good. And eventually they, they just gave up. I mean, gave out. Uh, they haven't played their best football in a big moment in a while. And they got to do that this year. Yes, they do. It would be nice to see. I'm ready for it. I can tell you that. I, I, would, I would really, really, really like to see on NFC Championship Sunday an opportunity to hope and, and believe that your team is just one game away, one win away from going to a Super Bowl again. Would be incredible. That's why, uh, I mean, I think, and I ain't breaking no news here, but the goal has to be to win the East. Like, making the playoffs is great, but it ain't enough. You need to win the East. Why do you need to win the East? So you can have that home game, and so you only have to play one of those two teams to get to the, to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Preferably at home. But you don't want to have to deal with both of them. Like, you know, if you're beating San Francisco last year, now you got to go beat Philly. That's a tough ask. If you win a division, you just got to beat one of them. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Win the division. Yeah, dog. Let's do it. Hell, finish with the best record in the NFC, get a first-round bye, and then maybe, <laughs> maybe you can win just one home playoff game and you're right there in the NFC Championship. Bruh. That seems comical. Why would you want to do that when you have the best record in the league? <laughs> But we'll see, man. There is hope, and I think it's fair to have that hope. Hell yes, yeah. I, yes. I'm like everybody else. Hear me say this: Philadelphia and San Francisco. I would put them as one and two, and Dallas as three. So I don't need you guys blowing me up. Oh, Philadelphia and San Francisco are better. I I agree. Doesn't mean Dallas can't beat them. We'll see. Right, right, right. So let's take a trip around the block. Before we do that, you can't take a trip around the block if you are sweating to death in your house because your air, air conditioner is messed up. And right now, I mean, I know everybody, especially this week in the Dallas area, record-breaking heat indexes. I know one day this week, it's supposed to be like 106 in DFW. That's just the temperature. <laughs> and the dew yeah. points like up around 115 or 120 when they get the heat index factored in. That's why you need flow air, heating, and air. Family and veteran-owned, tons of experience. All month long, they're still running that duct cleaning special for the month of June if you feel like your AC, especially right now, is not functioning correctly or is not blowing the cold air that you expect it to, you need to get your ducts cleaned. You need to have them come out and see what's going on. And it's easy because you can call them or you can text them. It's flow air, heating, and air. Dude, the heat has arrived. Yeah. 
Trust me, yes. it's arrived. Um, and what you don't want to do is get caught slipping. And so get all this, get all that preventative maintenance done like today, seriously, because you don't want any problems going forward when that heat index is at a ridiculous, uh, you know, 110, 115, 120. Uh, you know, I saw yesterday, you know, dude outside, man, he was washing cars. He told my boy, I'm out. I'm done. There were still two cars left. You've never seen a car wash guy turn down money, bro. Yeah. The heat made him do it. You don't want to get caught like that in your house where it feels like it's outside, inside. Nah. So have your ducks clean. Get a, get some maintenance done. Trust Flow Air to handle your handle your business and keep you cool during these extreme heat days. Yes, the very extreme heat. It's easy. Again, call them. You don't want to. Oh, I don't like talking on the phone. Text them. How about that? It's easy to do, man. 817-808-4115. You can find them online as well at flowairtx.com. And keep in mind that 24-7 emergency service, especially during weeks like this in the DFW area where your AC, you're, basically it shuts off because it has to because it needs a break. And then as soon as it's recharged or whatever it does, it immediately comes back on. It's essentially running nonstop all day. Keep that in mind that they can service your AC unit at any time, any day, you just call them or text them, 817-808-4115. Also, of course, we're made possible by Freeway Tire Shop. Maybe you need some new tires, you need an oil change, whatever the case may be. Hell, maybe you just want to go up there and see if you're running to Jacques. (laughs) He's up there all the time. He's up there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I take my cars there for one reason, really, and one reason only. I don't have to worry about it, man. I trust JR. (laughs) It's that simple. I trust him to to diagnose what's wrong with my car. I trust him to use quality parts to fix the damn thing, bro, because not everybody does, and that's real talk. I trust him to charge me a fair price, not a cheap price, but a fair price, all right? A fair price. And then I, tr- I trust him to stand behind his work. All of those four things are important to me. It's what I look for in a mechanic, uh, always have, uh, ever since I figured out what it, what it is that mechanics do and why you need to trust one. And let me tell you all something, real talk now. If your mechanic ain't doing all four of those things that I just mentioned, you need to ditch them, take yourself to JR, a freeway tire. Go right up 35 north toward Denton. Uh, get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown. Go through the light. Look to the right. He's right there. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, like I tell everybody, like we tell about other, other businesses that support us. I've never seen anybody go to freeway tire and tweet at me, text at me that they had a bad experience. Yeah. It's a great place. The service is impeccable. The work is great. The price is fair. Check him out. Freeway Tire. There it is, kids. FreewayTireShop.com. So let's take this trip around the block. And, man, I, we'll start off because I just got back this past weekend. We were in Arkansas in the Little Rock area for a few days. And you talk about the heat. I really noticed it on Sunday morning in Arkansas. And it wasn't quite as hot as the Dallas area. But it was, I mean, this was like at nine o'clock in the morning, it said, I think it was 90 degrees with a heat index of like 103. And it just, Hmm. I mean, the humidity in that side of the world right now is just insane. But I talk about this all the time. Arkansas is such an underrated state. I mean, it's called the natural state for a reason. It is a gorgeous state with rolling like large hills, that in some cases you would call a mountain. I mean, they have elevations there that are over 3,000 feet. They have, it's it's green. There's a lot of rivers and different things to do. And we went on a hike at a state park about 45 minutes. Man, this probably, I mean, by the time, if you're in Little Rock, it probably was about an hour and a half north of Little Rock, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. But it was awesome. And we went hiking. And fortunately, I mean, when you're hiking in the woods, the sun's not beating down on you because you're in the trees and whatnot. So it wasn't too bad a really nice hike. And we hiked down this, this kind of dried up river that was barely trickling, finally got to this waterfall and that was badass. And I stood, I've never done this before. You're able to climb out to the waterfall and it wasn't because the rivers are really low there right now. So the waterfall was not gushing like it normally would be, right? There's no way you could have stood under it. I got to tell you, man, water coming off something 95 feet high, and, and washing down over you, even though it really wasn't a ton of water, it was, I mean, it was incredible. Really? Mm-hmm. Look at you, Mr. Nature Guy. Oh, I, I always, I love going hiking, man. A good hike, because you're doing something physical. It's nice to be active. You're outdoors. 
And if you do it either when it's not really hot or you do it in something like this, and the day we went, the humidity hadn't hit yet. And like I said, you're basically under, I mean, yes, the sun hits you every so often, but you're basically under the shade of the trees the entire hike. All right. I dig that, man. Yeah. So I always enjoy that because normally with the ladies' family. Are you hiking family, tennis shoes or are you hiking, hiking, hiking? No, this type of trail, you just do tennis shoes. It was not a strenuous hike. Oh, okay. I found it. I mean, there was a part that was, the incline was pretty steep, but I, it's not, I did not find it hard. Okay. But I'm sure a lot of people would have that part. But most of it, I mean, the vast majority of it, you're just on flat ground, pretty much on a trail, walking over rocks and stuff. It's really uh, easy. All right. Well, hell, that's all we can ask. Yeah. So something like that, I mean, it's, you don't really need hiking boots. I have worn hiking boots before for hikes that I've done. But generally, I mean, a lot of trails, you can just do tennis shoes, but it's just nice to be outdoors. And we normally do a river trip every year where we go and we go canoeing down the river. Right. Like I think last year... I'll oh, normally go to the Buffalo River. I forget which one we went to last year. I don't know if it was a Buffalo or not. But like I said, they haven't had a lot of rainfall in Arkansas, so their rivers were too low to do a canoe trip this year. Wow. So we decided to just spend a day going hiking and kind of exploring a natural nature park instead. Natural, whatever you call it, a state park. All right. I get that, bro. You know, it's, uh, for some reason, I've been thinking about doing that lately. Going you should do it. And checking it out. They're really, I mean, in, in Arkansas, obviously, there's a lot of trees and whatnot. But, you know, in Texas, Big Bend is the big one. And it, it's, if you've never been to Big Bend, it, it's totally different. I mean, it's wide open. There's not any trees, obviously. But I was going to say, you know, this, this, this family died there last week. Yeah, I saw that because of the humidity and the heat index and all that. They were out there too long and they, they died, which you, you certainly do not want that to happen to you. No, no, no. I don't know that I would go hiking in Big Bend now, but if you can go when it's not a gazillion degrees outside, then it, it's a great trip. Oh, I believe that. So, yeah, no, it's, it's just something I've been thinking about lately. You should do it. Hiking like that, I mean, I've done hiking in a variety of things. I mean, I've hiked in Colorado where we basically climbed a – over 14,000 foot mountain and that was fantastic and that was that sounds high brother that yeah that, that was a hike where you had hiking boots and we had like hiking poles and stuff and there was some there was some legit you had to use your hands and climb over stuff a couple of times and there was some steep drop-offs on there but it, that was an intense hike and we ended up, I think that the round trip from where we were camping out to the summit and back was, was close to 14-hour round trip. That was a hike. <laughs> Sounds like it, bro. And I loved it. I, I'd love to do it again. I mean, that was fantastic. As a matter of fact, I may do it. I don't know that. Does the lady fiance enjoy it or is she just doing it? Oh, she enjoys the type of hiking that we did this past week. I don't know that okay. she would enjoy the type of hiking that's super intense that I get into. But there's only one way to find out. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, babe, it's not that bad. Come check it out. Yeah, she'd be pissed. She'd be like, I'm not climbing up that thing. I'd be like, oh, come on. It'd be fine. It'd be fine. Just You, you just wait. Trust me. So I don't know. It's, it's you know, we're, we're getting married in the Phoenix area in Arizona. And I know that they've got some hiking and stuff. And next spring when we go, because we're getting married April 27th, we're going to go yeah, out man. early. I mean, we're not just going to arrive that Saturday, obviously. And so one of my friends, Brandon, is huge. And I mean, he has hiked and climbed a bunch of 14ers yeah. in Colorado. He's, he's okay. Yeah, he already said he's going to go out early because he wants to do some hiking. I was like, you know what, man? We'll be out there early. Maybe let's get figure out what we want to hike and, and do an intense climb. You know, I thought I did a double take when I saw that. Well, how'd you end up with Phoenix? I don't know, man. Something. She likes that. I, I don't know what, what I guess that type of not decor, but that that succulents and the mountains in the background, that type of thing. Yeah. The cactus. She likes those types of plants a lot. OK, so she likes that vibe, I guess. So that's her thing. I mean, I didn't okay. care. I was like, whatever. That sounds great. Let's do it. All right. So I guess no different than the Bahamas or something. No, it's, it's a uh, little different, know. but you know, it's yeah, okay, she likes cool. that. She likes that outdoor vibe. So, 
And neither one I mean, of us, believe it or not, I've never been to Phoenix. She she hasn't either. I've never been really? to Arizona. Yeah. Phoenix is a uh, I mean Phoenix is a nice spot. It's uh it's a little hot, even hotter than Dallas, but uh it's a nice spot. My brother lives in Phoenix now. Yeah. Okay. And then uh I always had a good time when uh, we went for uh, cowboy games. So that's how I judge everything. All right, yeah. Well, <laughs> We'll see what it's like. I mean, there's, you know, I'm, I'm going to arrive and I'll find there's a, there's a brewery there that I'm very excited to go to. And then outside of that, I don't know. Just see what Phoenix has got to offer. My, my one brother, Mark, obviously is like, oh, we got to go play some golf. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. We got to go play some golf. Some great golf in the Phoenix area from what that's, I understand based that's on. That's how they do in Phoenix is play golf. Apparently. I don't know why you wouldn't. If it's always nice weather and sunny and I guess yeah, you just need a lot of. Camelback Resort. Heat, yeah, whatever. Around in. Maybe maybe we'll go play at the uh, what is it the waste management open at the TPC Scottsdale out there. I can't believe somebody has a tournament called the Waste Management Open. Yeah, well, I mean, I know you got to you got to take sponsor money, but golly, bro. Yeah, I mean it's you know there's a lot of money in waste management. I mean just look at the mob. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to throw out, and, and this was you know we had my son for the past month, and that's we we in Arkansas his mom drove in from Dallas to get him, and so. When you have a child who is 12, now we will watch PG-13 movies with him, but we're not up in the game to rated R movies with him. Unless I really, really know the movie, because he, man, he wanted to watch a couple like Terminator movies and stuff. I was like, no, because there's just, it's not the violence and it's really not even the language, but anything that has like sexual situations in it, he's not there yet. All right, that's... uh... Now, I'm just asking because I don't remember. Terminator's got sex in it? The original Terminator does. I can't remember if there's nudity. Yeah, but there's a couple of scenes with. I was going to say because I I was like, Terminator, that's just Schwarzenegger blowing up stuff. Like when the dude from Michael Bain's character, the dude comes from the future to try to protect her from the Terminator. You know, and there's just some situations like they, they get it on to create John Connor. Oh, well, I guess that's. uh, Yeah, there's some there's just some stuff in there. I was like, eh. But it's just, it's one of those things. So point being, there's been some things building up. And it, look, I don't like an F word here or there, but I don't want to watch a movie with the 12-year-old when the F word is 200 times. Right, right, right. So, right, right. I, I mean, they're, they're, movies are rated R for a reason. And so we hadn't been able to watch some things that had come out in the last month that we've wanted to see. Well, one of those was a documentary on Netflix about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my boy watched that the other day and asked me about it, and I said I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, it's called Arnold, and it's just three episodes. They're about an hour each. And the first one, the first episode is 100% about his bodybuilding career. The second one is 100% about his acting career. And the third one is 100% about his political career. Really? And it's really interesting where he came from, this small town in Austria, and he just knew. I mean, you talk about visualizing and manifesting yourself into greatness right i mean it is his story is incredible and it goes back he said when he was a kid and man this is like this movie must have come out in the early 60s hercules with a bodybuilder named reg park Hmm. and he said he went to the theater and saw that and it, it, it just blew his mind, and he wanted to be like that. He's like, I couldn't believe how that guy's body looked, and I wanted to look like him. So he, wow. be, he became obsessed with it, and he said that his – and again, keep in mind, this is like the 1950s, early 60s, really the 1950s when he's doing this because he was born in 47. He said that all of his friends had, like, you know, girls on their wall or whatnot, and his mom worried about him because he had pictures of men essentially posing. in a Speedo posing. <laughs> And so he started trying to figure out how to work out and he would go to a gym and he would pester dudes that were big looking guys about how they worked right. out. And then finally he got turned on to a group of, of dudes in his area that were bodybuilders and he met them at the park when he was like 15 and started working out with them. Wow. I mean, his story of how he did that and he said his goal when he found out that there were competitions you could be in, he's like, oh, I'm going to go win. And he left home at like the age of 16 because he, I mean, obviously he had potential and all these guys in this documentary that were back then like big time, either bodybuilders or coaches or whatnot, 
you know, America was the was where bodybuilding was. Right. And so there were two different competitions. There was a Mr. Universe in Europe, right. but there's another one in America. And and so he goes to Mr. Universe in Europe and is like a 16-year-old. He finishes second and then wins it as a 17-year-old. And that's when he kind of got on the national. Like people go, okay, who's this teenager in Europe that's winning and beating men over there? Yeah, for sure. And man, it's the bodybuilding part. Because I mean, I'm familiar with him in his movie career and whatnot. And I knew, I knew he was, he's a six-time Mr. Olympia. I mean, he put them on the map. He was super famous in the bodybuilding world. And he kind of got to a point, he said, look, I'd, I'd achieved all my goals. Everything I visualized, everything I manifested, I lived. He goes, then I wanted to challenge myself. What could I do? I want to be in the movies like Reg Park was. So then he right. decided to do that. And, you know, he said they wanted to change <laughs> his name. They told him you'll never be in a movie because your accent's too heavy. Nobody will... You know, you're not going to work with anybody. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting documentary, especially because I believe he's 75 now. Yeah. And so, or 75 when the, they were filming the documentary. And so he's, he's reflecting and looking back. Like the lady, she didn't know that he had that affair with his housekeeper and had that child. And ended up, you know, Maria Shriver divorced him and all that type of thing. He talks about it. You know, he's like pretty point blank blunt about, you know, yeah, I effed up and I made a mistake and and there's no excuse. I mean, what do you want me to say about it? Well, yeah. You know, so it's him now looking back at all these things he's done. I mean, it's, it's really interesting how he motivates himself and how he stays busy. And and it's, it's, I'm telling you, man, it it is. How does he motivate himself? Well, basically, stay busy. He was like, he was like, you know, people say they sit around and they go, oh, I'm sad. Oh, I didn't have a good day. Oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. And he's basically like, F you, get up and do something. Right, right. He's like, you know, people, and I got what he was saying. I mean, he's a little extreme about it, but then he said, people just sit around and they wallow in their thoughts. He's like, well, if you stay busy, you don't have time to think about any of those things because you're just focusing on what's coming next and what you're going to achieve next and all this type of thing. Right. Right. I mean, you talk about yeah. a driven dude, man. Like, good no, lord. Uh, I mean, that's why he's accomplished all the stuff that he's yeah. accomplished, bro. Yeah. It ain't. Uh, it ain't no accident. It ain't no happenstance. It's, it's how he makes it happen. It was a very interesting watch, and a lot of what he said in there. I mean, it makes sense for anybody who's got something that they want to achieve in life. That is not the normal path, I guess. That maybe you want to do something a little bit different. You know, a lot of what he said, I, I thought, yeah, I mean, I get that. I totally understand that, you know. And so it was interesting, just kind of interesting to see how he, how he achieved what he achieved. And he talks about using steroids when he was a bodybuilder. Uh, yeah, when he started getting into the uh, Mr. Universe thing. Yeah, Mr. Universe and Mr. Olympia and stuff. And, and he even talks about it. He goes, you know, it was before it was illegal. We did it. All of us were doing it. And we were doing it with the doctor's supervision. And he talked about how you would use it. He said you used it only four months out of the year. And a doctor would come and we would work with them with, with the steroids. And he said it's not what it is today. It was, it was like the way we did steroids back then was totally different. He's like, I never did it on my own. It was always with the doctor. And then when it became illegal, I stopped doing stopped. it, like that type of thing. Yeah, no, my guy was, uh, one of my workout partners was watching it. He's like, dude, he was, of course, he got obsessed with the workouts. He was like, yeah. he was doing 20, 20 sets. Yes. And I was like, what do you mean 20 sets? Yeah. I was like, 20 sets of chest? And so I was just like, that's insane. But that's probably why he's Schwarzenegger. It probably is. I mean, it's, and he talks <laughs> about that. Three hours a day. Well, he, so. when he was a teenager, I think he was either 16 or 17, when he started winning some local regional bodybuilding competitions and some like big time bodybuilding coach in Europe saw him and invited his like, I want to train you. And he said, I'll, I'll help take care of you a little bit, but you ha- you'll live at my gym. And so he said, I lived on a cot in the gym and he's like, oh, I loved it because <laughs> he's like, I could work out whenever I wanted. If I woke up at three in the morning, I would go work out or I could work out in the middle of the day. He was like, he said he'd work out for like seven hours a day. Like he Jeez. loved it. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible. 
No, that's why he's special, man. Dude, and you forget, and I've seen pictures of him before when he was winning Mr. Olympia's in the 70s. Right. But, and I'd read stuff about him before. I mean, his symmetry and his size is, at the time, nobody was like him. There, I mean, we had never seen anybody like Arnold, and now everybody wanted to become bigger and have huge muscles like him. He, he took bodybuilding to a place that it did not exist before he started doing it. Bro. I mean, his, you got to watch this because as a dude that works out, his chest, it literally mm. looks like he went and went to a plastic surgeon and said, I'd like some double D's. <laughs> but it's muscle. It is, I mean, it, it, the symmetry of his muscles and the peak and the shape of his muscles, it, I mean, it's, it's ungodly. His lats yeah. and his back, I mean, it looks like he's wearing like some sort of set of wings on his back and it's just his back man dude it's uh, it's, it's wild insane, it is wild and worth the watch no. yeah all right I, I'm, I'm gonna mark it down and see if i can get to it because he's an interesting dude i'll tell you that so we'll move on here because we got to get to a couple other things before we wrap this up and we need to tell you of course about our buddies there over at smoky john's barbecue and I know everybody, everybody gets together for July 4th. You're going you're gonna to have somebody doing something for July 4th. That's just how it works. And keep in mind, as crazy as it sounds, July 4th is next week. Right. Like, you guys mostly will be listening to this on a Wednesday. Well, there you go, because July 4th is next Tuesday. And I know a lot of people have off on july 4th weekend like i'm off next monday so i've got a four-day weekend on the way which was awesome hey man hit up smoky john's when you think barbecue when you think of getting people together smoky john's they do a lot of catering so you right. can you can have that for your holiday parties or maybe you just want to swing by if you've got some time and you're off for a couple of days swing by and get the jam session bowl which again to this day week in and week out 393 episodes in hundreds of you have had the jam session bowl not a single one of you said it disappointed. Not a single person. No. Matter of fact, all of y'all said it was fantastic. Yes. And whatever adjective you used, there was a synonym for fantastic. And the reality is, how could it not be fantastic, bro? Because the Jam Session Bowl is a bowl that starts with either macaroni and cheese or mashed potatoes as a base. Right there, you're winning. All right? Then you get to pick two out of five smoked meats from Smokey John's, which has some of the best barbecue in the city. All right, so now you're winning again. And then, bro, it's time to put all this stuff you find on a loaded baked potato on top of that, okay? You know, I'm talking about chives and butter and bacon bits and sour cream, all that stuff, man. Huh, cheese, shredded, it's fantastic. It's to live for. And then, no, we're not done yet. Then you either drench it with the sauce or you drizzle it with the sauce. Either way, it's fantastic, bro. I, it's fantastic. It's a, it's it enough is. for two. If you got a little shorty, three of y'all can eat off of it. It's uh it's but man, it's been a minute since I had one because I had a stretch where I had about four and five weeks, and I was like, that's too much. <laughs> but it's tasty. It's, it's just about that time to go back again because it is fantastic. It's hard to resist. Go get one. You are going to love it at Smoky John's Barbecue. They're right there off Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field in Dallas. So the last time that we recorded a podcast, the Dallas Mavericks had not had their draft yet. And now that they've had it, we now know. And it's not when I saw that on draft night, because I was following along loosely. I mean, again, I was hanging out with the ladies family and all this. So I wasn't like watching it pick for pick. Derek Lively became the guy I was really hoping that they would get. Unless they could swing a trade for like a Clint Capella or somebody that made sense for 10, right. I was really hoping that they would get Derek Lively. And they traded back and were still able to get him at 12. And when I saw that, I was like, that is amazing. Then I saw the trade deal, Davies Bertans, and I was like, you got to be kidding me that they found a team willing to take the entire contract of an albatross <laughs> of a dude who doesn't even get on the floor which created a mid-level trade exception for them to use, which they then were able to use to acquire the dude from Sacramento. And they were still able to trade back into the first round and get another kid who 
I don't know how many people realize this. The dude that they got in the, God, what was that, like 2021? 20, they dropped him 21st? 24th. 24th. So this kid, both of his parents played basketball in college. I think he's got an uncle that like plays basketball in college. The whole setup, he played multiple years in college, won a championship in college, has that type of pedigree like a Jalen Brunson of a guy who can come in and really develop nicely. He's a 3 and D guy immediately, but man, Derek Lively. And I'm going to tell you this, you're going to go look up his statistics and they're not going to move the needle for you. They don't need that dude, honestly, to ever touch the ball. He will stand in the middle and defend the rim. And he has a chance to be an elite level rim protector. I'll take that. I love their draft. And it's not like, what do I know? I mean, you go read like a John Hollinger. John Hollinger gave him A plus and basically said he was blown away at what the Mavs were able to do on draft night. Well, that's fantastic. They 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 took advantage. I mean, they took they tried to to really f- solidify and fortify some spots where they were just a disaster last year. They needed three and D. Um, they needed D overall. They needed rebounding. And those guys provided, man. And uh, that should make them a better team. They still got to get Kyrie back. But that in and of itself should make them a better, more competitive team. You add in lean Luka, uh, you know, you got something to work with. I don't think they're, they're NBA champions, but you got something to work with, something that can, that can leave you with a feeling of satisfaction at the end of the season. Not that thing we experienced last year. Yes, and they had to do this. I think that that is evident. They needed a guy like a Derek Lively, who's a big seven-foot dude, 230 pounds or whatever he is. I mean, this is a guy who can get it done. I think he he understands how to play defense, and he wants to play defense. He is about defense, which is great. That's what they need. So I'm excited about it. it, it it's I think that they've done incredible job of trying to make this happen you know the fact that they pick up Rashawn Holmes and we'll see if he can figure out his game again kind of fell out of favor with the Sacramento Kings they still have some money now because of that trade that they were able to create that they can do some things in free agency and I'm telling you man this kid Olivier Maxon's prosper he's going to be a very very interesting prospect for them a very interesting prospect I think no, I mean I'm I'm all down for it, man. Because uh, he plays defense, uh, he has the ability to hit the corner three, which is what their offense will give him. But the main thing is, man, they were just a sieve on defense. They got to have some guys who want to play it and who are good at it to have any chance. Um, I guess we'll find out if they're going to keep Reggie Bullock on the roster or not. Uh, maybe he can find his game if they do. Uh, and, he, and relatively speaking, I think he's a ten million dollar player, which is not a lot per se in today's NBA. Uh, he used to be a 3 and D guy who was really pretty good. Uh, he fell off last year. And what do you think about Bruce Brown? You down with that, or you think he's a hype of, uh, of just uh, NBA playoffs? Probably that. A hype of NBA playoffs. But you never know. That's the thing. It is there's a variety of guys that we have seen the Mavs go after that some guys rise up to the occasion and and you can use a guy like that. You can use somebody who at least shows up on the big stage, right? Yeah. And the fact that he's, I think he's in his mid twenties still. I like that. I mean, you got a guy who can grow, who I think the Mav or the Nuggets probably rather would have been able to keep him, but with everything they have going on, probably had to let a guy go that ideally they would have kept. Because the salary cap now is a lot different than what it was. Yeah, and even though they've got whatever his bird rights or whatever, they can only pay him like $8 right. million dollars a year max. And somebody else will, would love to, uh, to pay him more than that. Yeah, so we'll see. And, and I was thinking, I said Prosper won a national championship. He didn't. I don't know why I was thinking that. Because I was like, wait a second. I was thinking he played at UConn. He played at Marquette. So forgive me for my mistake. You don't need to let me know. But they also <laughs> picked up a dude that went undrafted 
And I'm very curious to see what he can offer them. He goes by the name Jelly Walker, and he played college basketball at UAB here in Birmingham. And I've seen him play multiple times. And if nothing else, that dude can score. He can shoot. And he is a kid that when he gets hot, he can shoot the lights out of the building. You know, he got some hype a couple of years ago when UAB was in the NCAA tournament. And that is a kid, I mean, their leading scorer a couple of years in a row. He had played in college for a while and is another one of those guys that's got all kinds of collegiate experience because he right. is, he will turn 24 years old before the season begins. He Dang. started in college. His freshman year was the fall of 2017. <laughs> What's he been doing? He transferred a couple of times. He had a red shirt year. He got the COVID year. He was, he played six years of college basketball. Wow, that's a long time, bro. Yes, and the last two years at UAB averaged over 20 points a game. And, I'm, I mean, I am talking about a dude. I have to look it up. I know a year ago he shot almost 40% from the three-point line. And I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, but he probably took two shot three-point. He, he was jacking up threes now and shot 40% from the three-point line. So he was taking them, and he was making them. Yes. I mean, again, it's really interesting that a kid like that, the Mavs were able to pick him up, and he wasn't drafted. But it's it's interesting, man, because that dude can hit some threes. Yeah, okay, I just looked it up. So he hit 39.6% a year ago, and this past season hit 37.8% of his threes. Mm. Well, they can use that guy. They can use that guy. I mean, if you can just... You know, I was sitting there going, okay, if you play with Luca, and you can just run to the corner and get open, you'll get a chance to shoot some open threes. And that's a kid that can hit them. So keep your eye on an undrafted dude from UAB named Jelly Walker that the Mavs picked up. And I just love what they did, man. And Derek Lively, again, he's 19. You got to give him a chance to develop. You know, and I know that, that they were throwing out kind of that, that their comp for him was Tyson Chandler. And you kind of go, I mean, he's 19. <laughs> but he's 7'1", 230 pounds, and he loves to play defense, and that's what they don't need a dude who can score. So if they just have a guy that can get on the floor and defend in the middle, I'm here for right, that. Right. No, I think we all here for that. I'm stoked, man. They, uh, I, I just can't believe some of the moves they were able to pull off for this draft. I mean, it's... You know, you look around the league, like everybody who covers the NBA is kind of like, I can't believe the Mavs are able to do that. Um, dude, I think it's a uh, – I, I was trying to say, I think we're so shocked because they haven't been that good doing the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, with the uh, – they haven't been that good in the draft. They haven't been that creative – and they haven't had a whole lot of impact other than Luka. They haven't had a lot of success in the offseason trying to acquire players who worked out for them. And so I think the Mavs front office has really just gotten a big meh over the past few years. So I think there's a lot of shock and surprise that they seem to make some really shrewd moves and have a lot of good things going for them at the end of the draft and kind of got a universal attaboy. Yeah, I would say so. It's kind of awesome. Now let's hope again, okay, cool, you got these dudes, can you develop them? Can you turn Derek Lively into a Tyson Chandler? Because if you can, and you can do it quick, then obviously you've got a chance to do something special. Now, I, that seems unfair. I mean, the kid, again, is 19. It's going to take him a couple of years, but the Mavs don't really seem to have the luxury of a couple of years. No, nah, bro, they need, they need cats who come in and play. And defense, to me, is the one thing like, okay, if, if he can play defense, then at least he's got that. You don't, even if he struggles in the offensive side a little bit and in, in, in the offensive concepts or whatever, you just tell that dude, go block some shots and grab some rebounds. You're 7'1". You're 230 dunk, pounds. You know, dunk when you, dunk when you, get, the, uh, dunk when you get the opportunity off the pick and roll. I think you oh. can figure it out. Do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. All right. So there you go. That's the podcast. Back at it this week. And again, we'll have another one dropping Friday. And we'll see. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I seriously doubt we're going to have one next Monday because it's July 4th weekend. Right. And all right. you guys are on a holiday anyway. Right. So 
We'll have to figure that out, but that's kind of what's on the way. But just uh, expect one coming your way Friday, and we'll let you know from there what the next week is looking like. Got a lot of moving parts coming up in the next week or so. So we'll figure all that out, but hope you enjoyed this one. And at some point, Friday, we'll talk to you guys again very soon. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.